Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome, everyone, to Project Management Office Hours. We're broadcasting to you live today from the Phoenix Business Radio X studios in Tempe, Arizona. Thank you to Max Six for hosting our new studio here. I'm your host, Joe Puzz, PMO Joe. And for the next hour, we'll be talking project management with our special guest, Kenneth Steinus. Also want to mention our sponsors. Thank you to the PMO Squad, where project management with a purpose is our number one priority. And to Talaya. Talaya is a European-based company with eight years' experience with customers across Europe, Asia, and Latin America. To learn more about Talaya and to sign up for a 30-day free trial, you can visit their website at www.talaya.com. Talaya, T-A-L-A-I-A dash open ppm.com. Also, just want to remind everybody that we're going to have Talaya in studio on July 19th. And uh, we're looking forward to that show as we might have an exciting announcement to make along with them. Also, uh, just wanted to chat for everybody here. Last night, I attended the SIM Local Phoenix chapter. That's the Society for Information Managers. Uh, the monthly dinner meeting, and they had Peter Green presenting. Peter's with Agile for All, and he walked us down a presentation of the evolution of Agile and also uh, how organizations are making the shift today from Agile not just being a software development process, but more an organizational mindset and structure. And I always I'm excited to to learn more about Agile because as project manager, sometimes there's the debate of are you Agile or are you Waterfall? And my school of thought is I'm neither. I'm about delivery. And Agile is just another tool that you have in your toolbox. Uh, so maybe we'll talk uh, a little bit about that with Kenneth down the road. We'll see. So, Kenneth, welcome. You are the CEO of Sensei Project Solutions and probably a pretty big guy here in the Phoenix market for project management. Thanks for being on the show today. Well, hey, Joe. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So tell us a little bit about yourself and and Sensei and help our listeners get to know you a little bit better. All right. Well, I'm originally from Denmark, and I have been a project manager for 23 years now. I actually got started in project management when I was in the Army. So we still have national service back home. I got drafted three years late by mistake, so I was oh, wow. older than everybody else, and uh, they put me in charge of scheduling the security detail for the Queen of Denmark and for the Crown Jewels and Chief of Staff. And it was all done by hand. It was all hand-drawn schedules and, and ledgers. There was no software at the time. And then uh, a year after uh, that, I picked up a copy of Microsoft Project, and I've been geeking it out ever since. Yeah. Yes, I've been working with Microsoft Project for about 22, 23 years. And six years ago, we decided to start Sensei, and it's been a, just an amazing ride. Uh, so it's good. So we, we help organizations deploy project and portfolio management uh, in the Microsoft Cloud. That's awesome. And I know for our industry, right, the, the go-to tool out there is Microsoft Project. The organizations, when we go into to work with them, they'll always say, what tool should I get? What tools do you have? I mean, are, are, do you, are you at the basics yet? Do you, are you using Project? And that's kind of the starting point for everybody. Yeah, it, it really is. A couple of years ago, we had a, a survey here with the local chapter. Actually, it was, a, it was a national survey 
but 97% of PMI members reported that they use Microsoft Project or somebody in their organization uses Microsoft Project, 97%. That's pretty overwhelming. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for having us. And you mentioned you're in the military and just always like to, when somebody else brings that up, I want to run with it uh, and remind everybody that uh, the PMO squad sponsors and supports a veterans project management mentoring program along with our partners, Veterans to Work and Vets to PM. We pair transitioning veterans who are seeking civilian careers as project managers with PMPs and uh, align them in quarter-long mentoring sessions. So to learn more about that, go out to the PMO Squad website and you can register as a veteran or you can register to mentor. So thanks for the uh, reference to the the military. Thank you for that. And and Joe, um, I was uh, researching that a little bit before I got here and it's a fantastic program. I'm amazed what you've done in a year now, is it? Six and a half a year, six months. Oh, half a year only. Yeah. The amount of mentors, the amount of um, veterans that you've gotten in is incredible. And um, we'd actually like to support you guys by sponsoring some e-learning. Oh, wow. So I'm bringing you uh, $5,000 worth of e-learning for, for your um, your veterans. Wow. That talk about surprises live <laughs> on air. I did not know that was coming. That's great. Thank you so much, Kenneth. Yeah, I appreciate my that. My pleasure. My pleasure. And I know uh, Vets to PM and Veterans to Work will really be pleased with that as well. Uh, we we get together every month and talk through our our roadmap and something like that's not been on there. So that's a that's a big gap you just filled. Thank you very much. Absolutely. So obviously, with you're the face for Sensei, right? You, but you're not the only one that's out there, and you've got a team that supports you. And uh, with all of that teamwork, has come a lot of recognition. Uh, and you've been named a top global partner for the last four years or so. Why do you think that is? What's the partnership with Microsoft about? And can you expand a little bit more on that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's absolutely incredible. So, yeah, Microsoft, uh, four out of the last five years, has named us a top partner. And in fact, this year, we were the um, number one partner in the U.S. and Australia. So that's incredible. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. You know, Microsoft's all about the cloud these days. So, uh, as you would expect. So with our approach to the packaged IP and how we approach the business, we've, we've really been able to get customers onto the cloud much faster. And that helps our customers realize the benefits faster, but it also helps Microsoft with adoption of the cloud, right? It's Office 365 Project Online, which is Microsoft Project in the cloud. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's been one big reason. I think um, there are a number of reasons that we've also worked very closely uh, both with their uh, corporate teams uh, in Redmond, Bellevue, but also with their field sellers around the country, around the world. A few years ago, Microsoft actually acquired, two and a half, coming up on three years ago, Microsoft acquired a portion of our business and took our apps and incorporated them into Office 365. And it's just um, an incredible feeling to build something that a giant like Microsoft wants to yeah, that's great. purchase and then incorporate. So I feel like we're making a difference. Um, you know, I feel like we're making a difference to project management overall and certainly to Microsoft. So those would be some of my guesses. And I think customer evidence is another one, right? Of course. Uh, before we got on air, we just talked about it um, We've started doing a lot of customer evidence uh, videos with utilities, with government agencies, with universities and um, financial services companies, really just showcasing how you can be successful with project management in the cloud. And Microsoft appreciates that. <laughs> Absolutely. So you being partner of the year, obviously there there aren't many of them. That's a, a highly recognized distinction. As a potential customer of yours, what value does that bring? Do you get any extra insights from Microsoft maybe on what roadmap items may be coming? 
Well, I think the value to customers is it's, it's a seal of approval, right, from Microsoft. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, in this day and age, you go on somebody's website, it's really hard to tell who's a one-man show out there and who's got a, a, a true organization behind them, right? So I think it's a seal of approval. It helps us work with the field sellers at Microsoft. Um, the the Partner of the Year program does in, an, in itself doesn't necessarily give you access to any inside knowledge. Sure. But, you know, I am under an NDA in, in various areas and working with Microsoft, but that's separate from the Partner of the Year program. Okay. I think I'm, I'm still a little stunned from the gift that you're going to be giving our veterans mentoring program. So I'm still trying to soak that in as well as, as I'm thinking of my uh, our agenda for today. So pardon me here as I collect myself. So a company like yours, what are some of the uh, biggest pr- problems that companies face that you come in to help them solve? Well, that's something I've spent a lot of time thinking about, obviously. Yeah. I think there are a number of different things. We tend to boil it down to these core needs or Gartner calls them critical capabilities that organizations need to have. So there are really six major categories, and I'll, I'll tell you what the categories are and then dive in a little bit, but project intake and prioritization, resource capacity and demand management, budgeting and cost tracking, project planning and collaboration, project status and portfolio reporting, and PMO governance. Those are really the six areas that I would say cover 90 plus percent of the, of the needs that organizations have. So if you, if you take the first one, project intake and prioritization, it's really all about managing the funnel of work that goes into the organization. A lot of times we see companies just starting to do work and nobody knows how it got initiated, who approved it, is there funding, resources. So this is about standardizing the business case or in PMI terms, project charter, right? Yeah. Project request form. And then it's about looking at that and looking at all the other proposals, look at, uh, looking at the entire portfolio and really being more structured about doing the right things. So uh, that's key. The next one is resource capacity demand management. That's actually been the number one reason in the last five plus years why organizations are doing this in the first place, because they're being asked to do more with less. Absolutely. So, you know, it's about first understanding what is my true capacity as an organization to do work? You know, especially in IT where you have production support and enhancements and business as usual, keep the lights on type of activities. Once you account for that, what do I have left? What is my true capacity? And then holding that up against the incoming demand for work. That's been the number one, hands down, the no, no number one core need. Budgeting and cost tracking is something we didn't used to see too much in IT, but certainly construction, manufacturing. But um, in recent years, IT organizations are asking their project managers to manage the budget. Interesting thing is, a lot of times the project manager will be handed a budget before they've done detailed scope. So, so we, we tend to look at it as it's capturing the approved funding, then it's comparing that to the detailed, the bottom-up estimate, and then tracking your actuals and getting a feeling for what's my cost variance or, or am I going to run over based on my estimate to completion, right? Mm-hmm. But that's one of the least mature of the core needs of building blocks. Then there's project planning and collaboration, which of course is huge, right? That's the, the core Microsoft project, building out your detailed scope in a work breakdown structure, identifying all your resources, your effort estimates, dependencies, deadlines, constraints, it's all of that. And that's pretty well understood. But it's also the collaboration piece. 
collaborative work management, which is kind of the new term, yeah. as, as, is huge these days. Um, it's now its own space from an industry analyst perspective. And um, giving people a place to, to work, to collaborate on documents, issues, risks, formal project change requests, action items, decisions, all of that, and giving them a space to come and work in, especially for distribu- distributed teams, that's huge. So um, that's, that's a core need as well. And the next one is project status and portfolio reporting. And uh, that one's interesting because companies today are spending a lot of time manually putting project status reports together. And by the time they finish doing that, they're obsolete, right? Yeah. They're out of date. So this is all about, first of all, automating the process. And it's all about getting true visibility and insight into your projects, your programs, and your resources too. And Gartner has written a lot of really, really cool stuff in that area around uh, managing by exception, as you've probably seen a ton of that, right? Um, Enabling executives to take corrective action and things like that. And then the final building block, (laughs) sorry, is a little bit longer than you thought. No, no. (laughs) The final building block is, uh, is PMO governance. Now, when I run, I run sessions all over the country. I've, I've been to, I don't know, been traveling 23 weeks this year. And um, when I run these sessions, we, um, we always ask people to vote for these different areas. And this is always the lowest score, right? So I call it the least sexy, but probably the most important of all the building blocks. I'm, I'm with you on that one, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, all about, it's all about, you know, identifying or building or good process, right? It's having good process or processes. And then monitoring whether we're actually following our processes. Because if we're not, and resource capacity goes out the window, project intake goes out the window, you know, collaboration right. goes out the window, project status and portfolio reporting goes out the window. So it's really, um, so the six, those six core needs of building blocks really um, are very, very closely integrated. How's that for a long answer? Uh, I love this. Great. <laughs> In uh, our show uh, two weeks ago, we had talked about AI and machine learning. Yes, I heard that. Uh, and I'm, I'm wondering your thoughts on how that would be impacted in the six areas you just talked about, because certainly resource and capacity management mm-hmm. seems like an ideal candidate for uh, how machine learning can, can come into play. So there's a lot of really cool stuff happening right now. Microsoft has a technology called Power BI, mm-hmm. and with that, they have a predictive predictive analytics engine. So it's it's AI, and what it will do, and it's 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 kind of mind blowing. It will look at your history, and then it will forecast beyond the date which you have data. It will forecast what things are going to look like based on your history and based on your trending and everything else. And it's it's. It's mind blowing. Well, that now we're talking sexy, right? right? Now, exactly. <laughs> and I and also um, we're seeing a lot of bots these days. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually we haven't launched it for our clients yet, but we use AI, uh, artificial intelligence and bots internally. We actually have a um, a help desk bot that will attempt to answer client uh, help desk requests. Sure. And we're starting to see clients that never actually interact with a help desk uh, person because they're, they're, the bot is handling yeah. it for us. We do have some nag bots and things like that that also help remind people of their tasks and what have you. Right? Of course. So it's definitely an exciting space. And for those six core areas, are you coming in with software solutions? As we know, as you had talked to them, they're process-related issues or, or people-related issues. 
in a sense, they come in with a software solution, or are you coming in to help with the process side and the people side? Again, for those that don't know Sensei well, can you get deeper into what Sensei actually does? Sure. So let me back up to answer that question. When mm-hmm. when we started the business just over six years ago, there were 250 certified partners around the world, 10,000 organizations using Microsoft Project, 22 million users. So 22 million users being served by 250 certified partners, yeah. right? What we were finding was that a lot of the partners were, they were technology vendors. They were flipping switches for clients. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to come in and lead with the process conversation. And coincidentally, what's happened since then is because Microsoft now takes care of the back end, it's the technology is 5 10% of the deployment now. Sure, It's all about process and, and reporting and governance and so on, right? So, so what we do is we come in and deploy, typically, most of our clients choose to start with what I call a template solution. So we spend a lot of time researching the most successful engagements we've done. And so hundreds and hundreds of deployments that we've done. And then we combine those best practices with PMI's industry standards. Mm-hmm. So, so that the template that we provide to clients is PMI compliant. We're also a registered education provider, so our training, you know, um, we offer PDUs for our training. So we come in with a best practices approach, and instead of deploying what used to be 12 to 18 months, we do it in one to three months, depending on the scope. So, you know, within three months, the client has a best practices PMI compliant environment up and running with training, uh, the books, the e-learning that um, we talked about a little bit earlier, Yeah, all the automated reporting and everything else. So, our goal has been to try and bridge the gap between the technology and the process or the processes or it, project management discipline, if you like. Yeah. And, and obviously, you guys are doing a great job and uh, not just recognized by Microsoft, but your clients all over the world as well. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's exciting. So we have on, on the training side, we have clients in 35 countries now. In the U.S. alone, we have what we call direct clients, like major direct clients in, in 37 or 39 states now, I think it is. Um, and then a lot in Australia and New Zealand as well. And then we work through partners in much of the rest of the world. That's fantastic. Yeah. So you talked more a little bit about what you do and I guess a little bit about how you're a differentiator uh, from your competition out there. Do you Can you dig in a little bit deeper to help us know what makes Sensei uh, different in how you help your clients be successful? We make a statement to clients when we first engage that, you know, we don't want to be a vendor and they pause and look at us. We want to, we want to be a true partner to the business. So we want to understand the business problem you're trying to solve. And we want to, um, you know, we also not, we're also not looking to embed ourselves and, you know, with the client for 12, 18 months and just put bodies on site. We really want to enable them, hence the name Sensei. We want to enable our clients to be successful. We want to train our clients to be able to do the most of it themselves. We want to teach them the best practices that we've learned, and we want to align it with the industry standards that I mentioned earlier. So our whole approach is built around that. It sounds like more of an experience <laughs> than perhaps just a straight consultancy that's coming in. Well, I, I think you might be leading me on there a little bit, Joe. Yeah. Um, you know, so... I came across a term a few years ago, I think it was four years ago, Gartner coined this, um, the, the um, 
experience economy. Mm-hmm. And it was very powerful to me, this analogy of, um, now I happen to be a coffee guy. I can't live without my coffee, right? But yeah. the analogy of, of coffee beans versus a cup of coffee versus, you know, the full-blown frappuccino latte experience, right? You can buy at my favorite uh, coffee shop downtown, Serafina, you can buy a pound of coffee for 10 bucks. Well, it's actually $9, but for the sake of the math today, we'll call it $10. Yeah. And I make 40 cups of coffee out of that, right? So I can buy the beans, I can make the coffee, that's great. If I go to a diner, I pay, so that's 25 cents per, per cup in case you hadn't done that math already. Oh, yeah. So if I go to a, a diner, I'll pay a dollar, dollar fifty, two dollars depending on where I am. And that's fine too. But, you know, quite often I choose to go down to Serafina or to Starbucks and I'll pick up a $5 latte. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's all about the experience. It's all about, you know, the smiling face when you walk in. It's all about sometimes pre-ordering ahead on your app. It's the experience. It's, um, and we translate that to how we interact with our clients too. We don't want to just send a couple of really smart guys in to do what the client asks us to do. We want to bring the years and years of experience that we have. Our team has over 300 years of experience combined doing this stuff. And we want to, we want to bring that to the client. And that's what I consider the experience economy. So yeah, an experience. Thank you for setting that up for me. Yeah, well, that's what I'm here for. You can reach me every other Thursday from 11 a.m. at Phoenix time. It's kind of like the Ritz-Carlton, right? The, the employees there are empowered to take care of the customers however they need to, right? Regardless of your role at the Ritz-Carlton, you've got a $2,000 budget that you don't need approval on to get anybody yep. to do what you need. Yep. It So people can obviously get a bed in a hotel at a much cheaper price, but they're not going to get the same experience. Right. And it's great to to hear your story and how that's working for Sensei because it isn't, you know, the PMO squad obviously is a consulting firm as well. And we're the same. We don't want to come and replace your employees or embed ourselves for a long period of time to hear another company that's doing it the right way out there is, I appreciate that as well. Yep. So you mentioned PMI a couple of times there in, <laughs> and through that discussion. Do you think PMI is still relevant today? I mean, you go out on LinkedIn and there are hundreds of choices now for groups that are trying to start and form up and become relevant and question PMI and, and the PMBOK. And what are your thoughts on that? Well, before I give you my thoughts, yeah, let me ask you a question, put you on the spot. Yeah. Do you remember, do you know when PMI was founded? PMI was founded, uh, I think it was just, it's close to 45 or so years ago. 1969. So let's yeah. call it 50 years. Close enough, right? Yes. So when was the PMBOK released? The first version of the PMBOK? I think that was a few years later, wasn't it? 1996. Oh, wow. Just more than a few. Yeah. So, you know, obviously project management as a discipline has been around for thousands of years, but it wasn't until 1996 that we had the first ANSI standard, ANSI global recognized standard for project management. And yeah. PMBOK is great, right? But let's let's face it, it's a high-level mm-hmm. framework that sets out some guidelines. It's not very practical. Yeah, I call it the, the guardrails that keep you on the road. Exactly. Yeah. Now, what PMI has done in the last 10 years is very different, right? With the portfolio standard, the program management standard, and the practice standards, mm-hmm. the new agile practice guide, they've become much more relevant in the last 10 years than they, than they were the 40 years before that. I think for me, I don't know how familiar you are with the practice standards, but 
a practice standard basically takes a knowledge area and drills down on it. Yeah. So scope management is broken down into the practice standard for work breakdown structure, which is a, a tremendous, tremendous guide, right? It provides um, some really practical applications of how to use the technique, work breakdown structure technique, to identify your detailed scope. Mm-hmm. Similarly, time management is broken down into the practice standards for scheduling, which gives us quantifiable means for measuring the quality of a schedule. We can actually now put a number to the quality of your project. Yeah. And that's exciting to someone like me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so we lean very heavily on PMI, and I think PMI is more relevant than they ever have been. That's the short answer. <laughs> it's, it's weird, right? Because both of our companies exist in an industry of which PMI is the 800-pound gorilla. But when you're the 800-pound gorilla, people are always taking shots at you. Mm-hmm. So there's the perception with many out there that it's slow-moving and stodgy and it's it doesn't think about the actual project execution and the PM that's in mm-hmm. the organization. I don't know if I agree with all that, but certainly there's a lot of chatter out in our industry about that. I, I think I used to have that perception until I got involved. And I actually, some years ago, uh, helped write some of the exam questions for the PMP exam. To see the process was fascinating. Yeah, the, the exam questions can sometimes be very, very difficult and challenging and just even, to, even just to interpret the question, right? Of course. But I, I was very impressed by the process. So I think they, they're very methodical. They take their time and they do it right. And I like that. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting too. Um, coming from Atlanta, I was in the local PMI chapter out there and, and I am here in Phoenix as well. But the difference geography-wise within the U.S. even, let alone across the, the globe, of how different chapters interact and present themselves to to their members and their services that they offer as well. Yeah, so I, I've been fortunate enough to speak at PMI chapters all around the country, and it really takes a very dedicated local team to make a chapter successful because, you know, people are working, I, th- I feel like people are working longer hours than they ever have been before, so they're not as likely to come out to an event, an in-person sure. event. yeah. So I see more of these smaller, like the breakfast meetings. You and I were at a breakfast meeting just a couple of weeks ago, right? Yeah. I see I see more of these sort of smaller, um, closer to their members mm-hmm. events. I see more online events. Um, I think chapters have gone through a bit of a, a transformation these past few years as yeah. a result. Yeah, I would agree. Atlanta mm-hmm. had started up a, uh, a function called PM in the AM. Mm-hmm. Uh, for that same purpose, right? Not everybody could make the evening sessions because they yep. were off to their children's games yep. and, and just tired from the day. But before the day starts, it was a lot more convenient to be able to get out there. Yeah. And then here, Chandler, speaking of that breakfast meeting, a little plug for myself, I'll be talking next Friday at the uh, Chompies breakfast location here in Chandler. Uh, and we're going to talk about fixing your project management plumbing. Uh, so if you're interested in that, stop by Chompies. I think it's at 7 a.m. is when that kicks off. And uh, I think we'll have a good time with that as well. So PMI, still relevant in your book. Checks all the marks. Yep. How about, uh, we'll call it the competition, but I don't think it's really competition, uh, Prince 2. You know, where does something like a Prince 2 fall into your thoughts on PMI and, and project management relevancy? So... Years ago, I used to do a lot of work um, with methodologies. Uh, we used to have methodware, then integrated project and all this. 
And I always, I always told people, you know, I, I almost don't care what methodology you use or process as long as you have one. Yeah. I, we just, I'm not seeing Prince 2 in the U.S. at least at right. all. Yeah. Um, it's very much a European play. Um, you know, the partners that we work with in Europe, they have Prince 2 templates and we have PMI templates, right? So yeah. um, I don't see it as a competing standard per se, maybe just a, a standard that's more regionally appropriate. Yeah. And I'm with you. The project is all about getting the results of the outcomes that you're looking for in the project. Right. The methodology you use to get there is, you know, maybe relevant to your company, but in the industry, it's, it, it really isn't. And the more tools you can have in your toolbox, the better carpenter you can be, right? Exactly. So you mentioned your partners in Europe and what you see over there. Um, what other differentiators or differences do you see maybe in global project management versus U.S.-based project management? This is obviously not very scientific, but I have visited with a lot of clients and partners uh, overseas. And um, it feels to me like there's more of a top-down strategic approach, in certainly in Europe. You know, we have a very close business partner of ours in Denmark, of all places, by pure coincidence, I promise. <laughs> um, and you know, when I've visited with their clients and gone to their events, uh, the focus is a little bit different. It's more of a, you know, let's start with the strategic top down, let's and and then resource management, and then you know we'll get to project management, program management, the detailed planning and execution, and so on. I actually like that approach. The only thing is, um, if you wait too long, then all the planning you did is no longer relevant, right? Sure. So it has to be followed very very quickly by sort of the, the the middle of the pyramid, if you like, that project management layer and the collaboration. Does that, that make sense? sense? Yeah. It does, yeah. yeah. And I see that a little bit with, we're advocating for PMO as a service. Uh, mm -hmm. we, we live in a gig economy, a service economy, and, yep. and organizations have outsourced all of their, essentially their non-core functions. And I think project management falls into that boat. But in the U.S., that just hasn't caught steam. But in Europe, it's much more prevalent not all European countries. I think there's sure. a there's a cultural thing at play here too, right? The Scandinavian countries and Germany, and <laughs> just very, I think um, you know, very structured mindset, very disciplined. Uh, that's my assessment, Joe. Yeah, great, thank you. So, you know, you, you've mentioned the different states where you guys are, are working in the different countries. Um, how do you personally manage to keep running this business? Uh, around the globe? It's been really, really tough at times. Um, we've only been doing it for six years, but it feels like 60 already. We recognized that we, we, we just, we kept hitting the ceiling as a business. And a lot of it was because I had become the bottleneck in so many parts of the business, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, what do you do when you recognize you have a problem? You go get help. So yeah, yeah. we actually, um, and it's funny, I see the books behind you here in the studio for EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System. So we actually, um, we went out and we uh, hired Michael Erath, who's an EOS uh, implementer. Mm -hmm. And he has helped us uh, implement EOS, Entrepreneurial Operating System. It's, um, you know, it's basically a structured process for running a business. And it's allowing us to continue to scale. And for those out there who don't know what EOS is, it's, it's first of all focusing on defining an accountability chart for the business. So not, not a, an organizational chart, but an accountability chart. So very clearly defining who's accountable for what. Mm -hmm. 
so I used to do a little bit of everything. I did a lot of sales over, sales oversight. I did a lot of product development, a lot, a lot of different things. And so I had basically my job boils down to, I think it's six now, uh, six areas of, um, of accountability, including product strategy, you know, messaging, big relationships, things like that. And we've, we've put people in place. We've hired people to run the sales and marketing team. You know, we've promoted people within our operations team to be product owners and own the training director of education, uh, own the help desk, uh, own the consulting services piece. So really just put some structure around it and then spend a lot of time, more than I thought, <laughs> actually <clears throat> defining what those people are responsible for. So that's been huge. In addition to that, just... Um, putting in place a meeting cadence and a standard mm. approach to how we resolve issues in the business, how we define our core values, our core focus, our marketing strategy, everything. And it's something that I didn't pay too much attention to the first five and a half years. So we're six months into it and it's, it's already made a huge difference to our business. Yeah, it's interesting. We spend so much time working with our clients to help them improve their businesses but we don't spend probably enough time improving our own business. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. And, you know, a good example of that is um, hiring. So as I walked in here today, I saw my favorite recruiter, Lisa Jensen from Mindful Talent Solutions, right? Yeah. I always, I loved interviewing. I loved interviewing people because I'm a people person, right? Yeah. And I'd sit down at, and most everybody I'd get along with fabulously. And I'd hire most of them because <laughs> <laughs> by the time they came to me, I figured, oh, they must be good and whatever. I wasn't hiring against our core values. Hmm. I wasn't assessing people for whether they had the right mindset. I mean, you know, on the technology side, there's, um, there's obviously a minimum expectation. That's not where we have a problem. We have a problem with, you know, if we do have a problem, it's with behavior, with core values, with follow-up, with timeliness, with being proactive, with striving for excellence and things like that. So I, you know, we've basically uh, outsourced all of our hiring so we can focus on running the business and have mm -hmm. somebody else help us with that. Yeah, I know uh, when I first started up the PMO squad, one of my mentors, I'd ask for, man, how, how do I do this? What's, what's important? You've run your own organization for several years now. What's the most important thing you can give me as a new entrepreneur? Mm -hmm. and, I, and they said, hire people that you want to be around. Yep. Right. Don't hire necessarily the most talented person or the person that knows things better than you do. If you can't exist with others that are going to be on your same team, you're never going to survive. Right. And we've tried to, to live with that for our five plus years now that we've yeah. been in existence. Yeah. And so the other part of your question earlier about how, you know, how do I manage personally? Yeah. When, <laughs> you know, it's going to sound silly, but when I exercise and sleep, I'm a much better manager. <laughs> I'm a much better, you know, I'm much better for everybody, right? Yeah. And so, you know, coming to that recognition, I know you're running uh, the marathon here in the fall, right? Yeah. It's just, uh, it's incredibly important to find that balance, you know, work-life balance. I have a four and a half year old son who's, you know, I'll be 60 when he turns 18 and I'd like to try and keep up with him. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, that's the same. I have uh, my youngest, I'll be 60 when he graduates high school as well. So it's, there you go. it's the, man, I, I started late. Mm -hmm. uh, but I bring more wisdom to him and my other children because of it. That's what I'm going to go home and tell him tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm with you, right? You mentioned the marathon. So another shameless plug for myself. I'm not running it just for me. It's another uh, tie-in to the veterans. So I'm running uh, to support and fundraise for a charity called Team Red, White, and Blue. 
which provides access for veterans in their local community to get back engaged with the community. With that, I'll be running the Marine Corps Marathon. So if anyone wants to donate, if they're listening out there, you can go to pmojo.com and there's a link to the red, white, and blue fundraising page. That's great. I, do you have a, a time in mind? Finish. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I originally, so I've run four marathons previously, and, and the goal was always to break four hours. I never did, but that was always the goal. This one is to try to break four and a half hours. Uh, we'll see if I can make it or not. So you're looking at three hours, 59 minutes, and 30 seconds right here. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I ran. Oh, that's my best. You my, did it. My, yeah. I did. My goal was to get below four hours, and I beat it by 30 seconds. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah so this uh, mm. this one will be fun. I haven't run mm. one in about 15 years. So wow. as a 15-year-old guy, and uh, it's taken a lot of effort. But you mentioned the, the way you clear your head and kind of get mm-hmm. things out. Those long runs are great because you have the ability to think through things mm-hmm. without uh, distractions from the everyday life. Exactly. So we touched a little bit, at least I brought up, about uh, starting my business and as an entrepreneur and with your organization, still relatively young at six years in, obviously isn't that old of a mature of a company yet. What advice do you have for entrepreneurs that are looking to start a business today? Well, if you're an entrepreneur to begin with, you you obviously have a lot of drive and excitement, right? That's great. I think what I would have done differently is um, taken the time to build the structure of the business with the long term in mind. And that's a little bit back to the U.S. stuff, right? But sure. just pausing for a second and not, not getting caught up in the excitement to a point where you might take the business in a different direction because a client came to you and said, hey, can you do this? It's slightly outside of your core focus, right? Yeah. You know, staying true to your core focus, I think, is incredibly important. You obviously started the business with with something in mind. So building a structure, staying true to your core focus, um, hiring the right people, hiring. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, you know, if we had an, if you invite me back, I'll do a whole show just on that topic. <laughs> yeah. We'll get you back. And with that, I'll, I'll say we've got our first repeat guest will be coming up in August. Uh, Kristen Call will be joining us back again. If you remember listening to her a few months back, she'll be back to uh, as president of the local IIBA chapter. She'll be oh, on very cool to uh, plug. They have a, an event coming up in September, so it'd be great to have her on. Yeah, in in Phoenix, we were talking a little bit pre-show about the identity of the Phoenix business community. Uh, one of the things I think that I've seen since I've been here is an energy around startups and small businesses and entrepreneurs. I spoke down at Phoenix Startup Week this year, uh, trying to get project management involved in startup mentality. It's it's one of those things, hey, we don't have the availability of funds to go take on project management when we're starting out. But I think that's maybe a lack of understanding of project management in the startup community. Within our industry, is there any project management words of wisdom for entrepreneurs maybe you could share? Oh, gosh. I think the just the principles of project management is something that most people could benefit from. Oh yeah, you know this whole idea of um, what's 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 the expression? Um, if you if you fail to plan, then you plan to fail, right? It doesn't have to be a a detailed scope project management plan. It's it's mm-hmm. with anything in life, right? I think a lot of the principles in project management apply very very broadly. Mm-hmm. Um, now, as you were just talking about the, the Phoenix community, I had a flashback. Uh, so I, I first came to, to Phoenix 20 years ago on a, on a visit in 1998, and a friend of mine took me downtown on a Saturday or Sunday. It was a ghost town. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was nothing going on. 
So um, I'm really excited to see what's happened to downtown Phoenix in the last five to 10 years. Our office is downtown in the old Lures Tower. Yeah. I have a townhome in uh, Roosevelt Row. Um, I just, with everything that's going on, I'm really excited. And the, there were a lot of startups down there. And it's, it's really exciting to see. So I think I don't have an answer for you, okay? Yeah. But I think that there is something that we have here in Phoenix that uh, we need to figure, what, figure out what that is and, and position it better. Yeah. And, and again, not to single out Galvanize, right? But as an example, Absolutely. Um, organizations like Galvanize and Cahoots, of course, mm-hmm. uh, there's a, just a tremendous amount of energy, not just locally, but their tie into the national scene as well. Uh, Max 6, of course, with their conscious workplace and their connection to conscious capitalism. Yeah. There's just so many opportunities, it seems, for startups down here in, in the Phoenix area to really learn and grow. Absolutely. And, of course, Startup Week as well, where where they have uh, week-long events uh, attached to that. Switching gears a little bit, you've mentioned a couple of instances, uh, Gartner, and I think I saw on your LinkedIn page maybe last week or two, you were at the Gartner PPM event recently. Anything come out of that uh, that you think is newsworthy to share with the listeners? Oh, gosh. Um, I wish I had my notes with me I on know. that. But, uh, Caught well, you off guard with that one. Sorry. <laughs> no, well, first of all, I think this was my fourth or fifth year in a row that I've been to the Gartner PPM Summit. And it is, it's an incredible show. It is really, really well done. This year, the keynote was about the four digital trends out there. And this is where if I had my notes, I could tell you what they are. Right. <laughs> and then what they did in the second half of the presentation, they turned it around and said, so what's the impact of project management? Mm. Um, I don't know how much of this is online, but if you have an opportunity to, to get to it online, it's, it was very, very powerful. Some very, I would say Gartner has gotten real practical in there. You're sensing a theme here back from PMI too, yeah. right? I think the recommendations that are coming out of Gartner are more practical now than they, than they ever have been. Uh, I really enjoy the work that um, Matt Light and Daniel Stang are doing. They're the two, two of the key guys in mm-hmm. this space, right? They do the... Um, magic quadrant for the tools and they do a lot of the recommendations and things to consider and you know what type of pmo are you and that type of thing so right. um honestly i just got back a few days ago and I'm, my my brain is still exploding and i'm still processing but it was super powerful yeah and i think maybe you know pmi and gartner you mentioned how they're maybe changing up a little bit and i think it goes back to like you said it's really an immature formal profession right so evolution i think should be expected mm-hmm. whereas sales and accounting and and finance really have been around for thousands of years in a formal setting yeah. uh you know it wasn't that long ago when we were launching men to the moon using formal project management for the first right. time so i think it makes sense that we're evolving from let's build the rules mm-hmm. to how do we use the rules to actually deliver projects better. Yeah. And so, you, I mean, you're hitting on something I'm very passionate about. If you think about construction, right? Do you know when blueprints were invented? Uh, thousands of years ago, I would ah, guess. I have no idea. Roughly 1,250. Yeah. So accounting standards evolved 800 years ago. I mean, mm-hmm. it's uh, it, it blows my mind that we haven't had true international standards for project management. Of course, we've been doing project management too for sure. thousands of years, but... Yeah. The standards, as I mentioned earlier, really have only evolved in the last 10 plus years. And I also, when I when I talk with clients at an executive level for the first time when we engage, I always ask, why is your PMO in your IT department? 
Right? <laughs> yeah. It's uh, you, your accounting department's not housed out of IT. Your yeah. HR department's not housed out of IT. So yeah. again, this it seems like by default, since IT runs more projects, perhaps they mm-hmm. absorbed the PMO. And what we're missing out on is the organizational benefits of project management. But you know what? We're seeing we're seeing a trend of either moving right. the PMO out of IT or consolidating or, do, or doing an enterprise PMO. We have, um, I mentioned before, we, had a, um, we have a case study that should, should launch hopefully next week, a uh, video with the uh, University of Phoenix. And they started in IT, but they've now, um, they've now consolidated a lot of their PMOs. So it's not just IT anymore. And they take much more of an enterprise view of the world. So I, I think that's definitely a trend that we're seeing. Yeah, the the EPMO is, mm-hmm. is certainly becoming more common. Certainly, I think a lot more room to grow. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I always say that IT folks aren't necessarily better at managing projects. Why don't we have project managers <laughs> managing projects? And I, in fact, you know, um, what we've seen a lot. I'm sure you have too. Is in IT, if, if you're doing a good job as a technical person, you get promoted yes. to project manager and you might not do so well. Right. right. So it's definitely a different skill set. Yeah, we call them the accidental, accidental project, project managers. Exactly. Yeah. I want to get, get back on, you, know, you talked about events, right? You mentioned mm-hmm. Gartner specifically. Now, the other one that I've enjoyed in the past is the, the PM, PMI, PMO Symposium as well. Yeah. You know, it was here in Phoenix a few years ago. Um, and that's a great event too. Yeah, I know this year's event is in Washington, D.C., I think uh, second week in November, if mm-hmm. my memory serves right. Uh, I'm with you. I've attended several of those as well. Uh, I enjoy those symposiums more than the Global Congress or some of the larger events. It seems to be more of a focused, structured couple of days that I've gotten more value out of. So what type of... No, I'm going to ask the questions now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what type of presentations do you get the most out of at these events? To me, it's kind of the case study presentation mm-hmm. where somebody has walked the evolution Yep. And because you can take real life lessons learned from them. Yep. And as a consulting company, that's what we're trying to do, right? We bring yep. that experience back. We certainly haven't seen it all, and I'm sure there's so much more for us to see. So when an organization, Dell, for instance, had it gone through or Blue Cross Blue Shield in the past had presented on how they had evolved their PMO from an IT PMO to an EPMO or went from project managers who did all of the areas of knowledge and then transitioning to, no, we had schedulers yep, and we had people who were responsible for the budget. And all of a sudden the project manager became almost more program manager. Mm -hmm. Hearing those success stories to me are, are where I get the most value. You know, hearing about specific tools or, or, or vendors presenting their tools it's good because you want to stay current and relevant. Mm-hmm. But I think my line of business, it's the case study. How about yourself? Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Um, sometimes I think if you do a combination of the two, you mm-hmm. know, how did, yes, the case study, and it always is, you know, executive buy-in, <laughs> it's a process and everything. But then how did you, this I'm biased, but how did you make use of technology to implement your vision for the PMO? Sure. That's what really gets me because that's the business I'm in. Yeah. Yeah, and it makes sense. <clears throat> and so let me throw uh, another off-the-cuff question to you here. Obviously, as a Microsoft partner, Microsoft and, and Project Online are, are so important. And there's a few bigger tools out there, the plan views and clarities the, the, of the world. How do you find it going into your clients handling that d- debate 
uh, or discussion between, you know, geez, Project Online is a pretty lightweight, easy to use tool. How does it do everything that these other tools like Primavera or, or others can handle? Yeah. So, you know, because Project Online is part of Office 365, it makes that conversation a lot easier. Sure. Most companies have the infrastructure already. Microsoft's, Microsoft's biggest differentiator in this space for project management is the platform. It's the ability to have, you know, literally you're turning on a service. And by the way, if that's, if Project Online is too much for you, then you use Planner or Teams to mm-hmm. collaborate or you use SharePoint, right? So the platform that Microsoft has allows organizations to grow into the maturity that, um, that they need. And I'm super excited about that. I'm, I'm a recent Teams convert, if you know Microsoft Teams. Mm-hmm. Um, super exciting platform for collaborating on maybe not structured projects as much as just in ongoing initiatives, right? right. Um, and the ability to have your, your, if you have an ITP more, have your non-IT folks participate in the planner plan, things like that. Mm-hmm. So that direction for me is very exciting. So it's, it's not so much about comparing to the competition. It's about the platform is the differentiator for Microsoft. And that platform just continues to grow. You know, there are releases every three to four weeks right now. Yeah. And there has been for the last four years. So the, the, the world is very different from, you know, once, once every three years, Microsoft would pop out and, oh, here's a new release, right? Right. Now we have incremental improvements all the time. Yeah, and it's nice to see uh, template projects, right? Because it was always, for me, interesting across the Microsoft suite, you'd have templates for Excel and Word for mm-hmm. all the different types of everyday life things you would do. But in project, you, you would just start blank, right? There wasn't the template. But now, yeah. you know, whether it's a Kanban or a, a Scrum or a new software development project, you certainly are going to modify those for yeah. your, your own liking. But they've got templates now. Yeah. You know, I built the original PMBOK, the PMI template for Microsoft uh, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, I happened to be in looking at it one day and it had six and a half million downloads or something like that. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a nice feather to have in your cap and go back and look at. You can do the ticker counter on there to see when it hits 10 million. Right. So we're uh, getting close to wrapping up here. It's hard to believe that we go through. I say this every show, right? It's hard to believe that we've been talking for over 50 minutes already. So I want to thank Kenneth once again for coming on. So say a very big thank you for the donation uh, for the mentoring program with our veterans. That's really appreciated and caught me completely off guard. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Uh, so I'll, uh, one last question is, uh, what's next for Sensei? Any, <laughs> any breaking news that you can share with everyone? Well, um, let's just say, you know, we're very, we're obviously tied at the hips with Microsoft, right? And the innovation is, at Microsoft is incredible. And what we're doing is innovating around their innovation. So I would say the next 12 months are going to be very, very exciting for us. Not only are we refreshing all of our e-learning for some of the updated and new releases and books and everything else, but um, we also have some exciting new stuff coming out. <laughs> all right. Well, that's, that has our interest peaked, right? We'll, we'll stay uh, in place with you. And then the way I'd say is when you do have something new and exciting to announce, come back on the show all right. and we'll give you that platform, uh, obviously, to let the world know what you have coming out next. Sounds good. I appreciate that. Thanks, Joe. So that's going to wrap us up for today. Before we sign off, I want to give you, Kenneth, one more opportunity to let 
our listeners know where they can find out more about you or Sensei, websites, uh, social media, et cetera? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, our website is senseiprojectsolutions.com. So Sensei, S-E-N-S-E-I. Um, by the way, that's Japanese and it means teacher or actually it means somebody who's born before someone else. <laughs> um, my aunt was Japanese and um, that was one of the first words that she taught me growing up. Oh, wow. And I really liked it because it's, it really means somebody who's mastered their craft and imparts that knowledge onto others. Mm-hmm. So anyways, senseipridesolutions.com. We also have a very active YouTube channel, Sensei um, PPM. So YouTube forward slash Sensei PPM and uh, Sensei PPM on Twitter as well and the usual Facebook stuff. So um, yeah, we've got a lot of really good content out there if you want to see what PPM looks like today with Microsoft in the Microsoft Cloud. Great. Thank you uh, for coming on, as I said, in the Phoenix community and the project management community here in Phoenix. I don't know if it gets any bigger than (laughs) Sensei Project Solutions. Well, thank you, Joe. You guys are uh, awesome. You're doing great work. And thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. And also just a reminder to everybody that we are live the first and third Thursday each month. Uh, Next show will be on July 5th. Uh, and we'll have a project management uh, leader from Dignity Health on and uh, one other guest as well. Also, I want to remind everyone that you can find project management office hours out on Apple Podcasts. So these shows are live, but they are recorded. And uh, I suggest you subscribe to our Apple Podcast so you don't miss any shows if you happen to be busy during the day. I want to thank our sponsors once again. The PMO Squad, they're 100% project management focused 100% of the time, providing leadership to set up project management best practices. PMOs provide project management training and help you make your project management software selections. Also, our new sponsor, Talia, who we announced last week and who will be joining us in the studio on July 19th. Talia provides a rapid implementation using common language and they can integrate with all of your applications, such as Microsoft Project, uh, Jira, and others. To learn more about Talia, visit their website, www.talia-openppm.com, and they are offering a free 30-day trial at this time. So that's it for now. Office hours are closed. Until next time, I'm PMO Joe, and you've been listening to Project Management Office Hours. <music>